Hello again, it's Jason Drury here, welcoming you to part two of the Cinematic Sound Radio Network's archive shows tribute to the films of the late Kirk Douglas. But before we start today's show, I must give out a personal message. This show is being recorded at the time of the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020. My mother, Betty Drury, is 90 years old and as some of you may know, suffers from dementia and lives in a care home called Spencer House in Birchington, Kent, England. Now I know that one of her kind carers, Debbie Merton, plays my shows to her and I'm pleased to say that I know that she recognises my voice and it gives her a great deal of comfort. Now, like so many care homes around the world, Spencer House is currently on lockdown due to the COVID-19 virus, so I am unable to visit her. So because of that, I'm now going to say this. Hello, Mum. It's Jason here, your son. I'm so sorry I cannot visit you at the moment, but you're very much still in mine and Mandy's thoughts. And as soon as the situation ends, I will visit you once again. Now just take care. I love you very much. And remember to keep drinking and eating when prompted by the carers, okay? And I will see you hopefully again very, very soon. I must thank Eric Woods for letting me do that message at the start of this programme. We live in very, very scary and difficult times at the moment. And... As a lot of you out there I know who have loved ones who you are unable to speak to at the moment because of this horrible virus. Hopefully you too will be able to speak to them in due time and know they are safe and being looked after by some very, very caring people in the care and medical communities around the world. To all of you out there, just take care and be safe. So, having said that, without further ado, it's on with the show. Showcasing beloved favourites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network.
Roundscape Kent, England. I'm Jason Drury, your host, welcoming you to the second part of the two-part Cinematic Sound Radio Network Archive Special, showcasing the music from the films of the late, great Kurt Douglas, who died in February 2020 at a grand old age of 103. Before we continue our tribute, as always, it's a big hello to our listeners at cinematicsound.net and for Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, TuneIn, Google Play, Radio Public, and wherever you find great podcasts. It's great to have you join us once again. And if you are listening to this program through Apple Podcasts or on iTunes, on your iPhone or whatever, please take the time to rate and review the show. It really helps get the show noticed and helps new listeners find the program. Now, in part one of our tribute, we celebrated the music of the films of Kurt Douglas from the 1950s. All of them classics, and I cannot recommend the show enough. If you haven't listened to it yet, please go back and do so. You will be in for a treat. We started this part with the Q Space Murder from the 1980 science fiction horror film Saturn Free, produced and directed by Stanley Donan and starring with Kurt Douglas, Fire Fawcett and Harvey Keitel. The music was composed and conducted by Elmer Bernstein, but the score is unusual as its love theme is more associated with another score by Bernstein, composed the following year, 1981, the animated feature Heavy Metal. But now let's go back to the 1960s and play music from a film that would reunite Douglas with producer Edward Lewis and scriptwriter Dalton Trumbull, two years after they collaborated on the film that the actor is best known for, Spartacus. And this film would also become one that the actor would be most proud of. Lonely Are the Brave, the 1962 modern-day western adapted from the Edward Abbey novel The Brave Cowboy. Directed by David Miller, it starred Kurt Douglas as cowboy Jack Burns. A Roma whose fierce individualism is at odds with contemporary urban values. He emerges from the mountains when he learns that his friend Paul Bundy has been jailed for helping illegal immigrants cross the border into the United States. Deliberately jeopardising his own freedom to join his old pal Bundy behind bars, Burns is greeted by a virtual stranger. Bundy's tame spirit and conventional outlook forces Burns to address the very mortality of his old-fashioned idealism. Burns makes a break for the border on his beloved horse Whiskey, determined to preserve his chosen lifestyle. Co-starring with Kurt Douglas in this film were Gina Rowlands and Walter Matthau. The film also featured an early score by the great Jerry Goldsmith. Goldsmith came to Lonely Are the Brave as a brave new voice in film music, with his work on television on the Twilight Zone and Thriller behind him. The assignment came as a recommendation by veteran composer Alfred Newman, who had been impressed by Goldsmith's music on Thriller, and took it upon himself to recommend Goldsmith to the head of Universal Pictures' music department, despite never having met him. Goldsmith would go on to compose many other westerns in his career, but for its freshness and originality, 
in its orchestration, this first outing into the genre could be, arguably, the pick of the bunch. Goldsmith's way of starting his score shows already its expertise in orchestration, an heroic fanfare which withdraws into a more intimate theme for solo guitar and subtle orchestra. We see a beautiful western landscape, a flickering fire, a sound of a jet engine which gets louder until the camera pans to a reclined cowboy. The orchestra then picks up the main theme, first on solo trumpet as Kurt Douglas's cowboy mounts his horse and heads to the New Mexico Plains until he comes to a wire fence in which he proceeds to cut. The score is anchored around this main theme and Goldsmith uses it very much the same way as he would the theme he wrote for John Rambo 20 years later. A lonely guy with noble intentions, misunderstood by the world. The score itself is very sparse in action material, more of a reflective mood. But when it is called for, the music makes an impact in cues such as Barroom Brawl. Goldsmith also introduces another new theme towards the end of the film in the cue run for it which would later become the main theme for the TV series Valona. For a score so early in his great career, it is astonishing to hear that Goldsmith had so many of his recognised musical techniques at his disposal, which would serve him so well for years to come. So here now is music from the 1962 Western drama Lonely Are the Brave, with original score composed by Jerry Goldsmith.
That was music from the 1962 Western drama Lonely Are the Brave, starring Kurt Douglas, with original score composed by Jerry Goldsmith. The original soundtrack recording was released in its complete form on the Verez Saraband CD Club label. This is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to The Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network's tribute to the music from the films of the late, great Kirk Douglas. Next up is music from an action-packed World War II adventure from 1965. The Heroes of Telemark, directed by Anthony Mann, who incidentally was a director who was fired from Spartacus to be replaced by Stanley Kubrick. Co-starring with Kurt Douglas was Richard Harris, Uli Jakobsen and Anton Diffrin as a Nazi. I have a rule about World War II films. No World War II film is a classic without Anton Diffrin appearing as a Nazi. Now this film depicts the Norwegian resistance sabotage of the Vamuk Norse hydro plant in the town of Rokjan in the county of Telemark, Norway, which the Nazis were using to produce heavy water, which could be used in the manufacture of an atomic bomb. The composer of the score was Malcolm Arnold, a composer of some stature in the UK since the war years, best known for his dramatic and Academy Award-winning score for the David Lean-directed The Bridge Over the River Kwai in 1957 and the Ivor Novello Award-winning The Inn of the Sixth Happiness in 1958. For Telemark, he composed a broad and exuberant main theme for which complemented the film's lush, snowbound Panavision cinematography. Part fanfare, part processional. This theme has a majestic sweep. It also has a fully developed B section which dips into sombre and reflective territory without allowing the tempo to flag. The theme is the score's cornerstone, appearing both grandiose and subdued and surfacing in various guises during the action sequences. Arnold composed 55 minutes for The Heroes of Telemark, with roughly only half of it used in the final cut, with some cues moved from their intended position and the better part of the second half of the film played entirely without music. This choice did somehow impress many critics, with Marjorie Adams commenting, quote, long spaces in which neither music nor dialogue interfere with the speed of the happenings, unquote. With Variety remarking, quote, Malcolm Arnold's useful musical score is more effective since much of the film is played sans music, and often sans dialogue, unquote. So, here now is... Music from the 1965 World War II adventure film The Heroes of Telemark, with original score composed and conducted by Malcolm Arnold.
Leb wohl, mein Schatz, leb wohl, lebe wohl, denn wir fahren, denn wir fahren, denn wir fahren, Engel, Engel, Engel.
That was music from the 1965 World War II adventure film The Heroes of Telemark. We starred Kurt Douglas with original score composed and conducted by Malcolm Arnold. The original soundtrack recording was last released paired with Jerry Goldsmith's score for Stagecoach on Intrada Records. This is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back. Next up, we move to the 1970s for our next film starring Kirk Douglas. And it's a classic score from the great John Williams. The Fury from 1978, the science fiction horror thriller directed by Brian De Palma and starring with Douglas, John Cassavetes, Amy Irwin, Carrie Snodgrass, Charles Durning and Andrew Stevens. The screenplay was by John Farris based on his 1976 novel of the same name. In the film, Kurt Douglas plays former government agent Peter Sansa, who goes head-to-head against his old colleague turned bitter adversary Ben Childress. When Childress tries to kill him and kidnaps his son, he telepathically gifted Robin. Childress seeks to use Robin's powers to further secret experiments in psychic research for weapons applications. Peter's only link to his son is Julian Balafar, an equally gifted teen who is tuned in to Robin's powers. Peter and Julian join forces in a race against time to save Robin from his captors and also from himself. The Fury was to have a score composed by Bernard Herrmann, who had scored two of De Palma's earlier films, Sisters in 1973 and the director's virtual remake of Hitchcock's Vertigo, Obsession in 1976. But with the composer's death on Christmas Eve in 1975 after finishing his music for Taxi Driver, De Palma was forced to look for a new collaborator. That turned out to be John Williams. The composer vividly recalled the time when De Palma, who was a close friend of Steven Spielberg, burst into his office at Fox. Quote, Look, he said, we're doing this picture called The Fury, and alas, poor Benny isn't with us. And Amy, Spielberg's girlfriend at the time, is the star. Would you like to score? And I said, with great pleasure. Unquote. The only directive De Palma gave to Williams was to make the score Hermanesque in tribute to the master. And Williams' score certainly delivered on that directive, starting with what is described by critic Pauline Kael as an overworldly, seductively frightening main title theme. A vortex of overwhelming sound building relentlessly with surging power added to by the urgent deployment of the wind section. The theme is the backbone of the score, a reminder of the intractable innocence and the unremitting darkness at the heart of the fury and the cornerstone of everything that is so right about Williams's work. However, to top that, the score's standout cue in a work of many standouts is the cue Gillian's Escape, a six-minute tour de force which underscores the scene which would have lasted a mere few seconds. Here De Palma attenuates the action by stripping off virtually all sound and dialogue as Gillian escapes her captors, while a series of catastrophes unfolds. 
It is scored as a silent film with the music moving from hope to utter desolation with dark hermit-like chords and composed with a sense of true expertise and genuine passion. The score was re-recorded by the London Symphony Orchestra for the film's acclaimed soundtrack release after John Williams had recorded his now legendary score for Superman. The suite you're about to hear features the original score recorded by engineer John Neal on the Fox scoring stage in January 1978. So here now is music from the 1978 sci-fi horror film The Fury. We starred Kurt Douglas, with original score composed and conducted by John Williams.
That was music from the 1978 sci-fi horror film The Fury, with original score composed and conducted by John Williams. The original soundtrack recording is available as a two-disc set, featuring both the original recording and the album recording of the score on La La Land Records. So now, sadly we've come to the end of the archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network's tribute to the late Kirk Douglas, showcasing his music from a selection of his films. I must at this point thank all of the skilled remastering engineers who have helped preserve all the music to the fine quality it is today, which I have played on both parts of his tribute. May you all continue to do the great work in preserving the great film music of the past. Now our final film is from the year 1980 and was one of the last produced by Douglas's production company, Brina Productions. The Final Countdown, the alternate history science fiction film, was co-produced by Peter Vincent Douglas, Kirk's son, and directed by Don Taylor. Co-starring with Douglas were Martin Sheen, James Farentino, Catherine Ross and Charles Durning. In 1980, the assistant of the Department of Defence, Warren Lasky, is assigned by his mysterious chief, Richard Tideman, to visit the aircraft carrier USS Nimitz, commanded by Captain Matthew Yelland, played by Kurt Douglas, as an observer of the routines. Out of the blue, the vessel faces a weird storm, and they find that they have travelled back in time to the eve of the attack of Pearl Harbour on the 6th of December 1941, when the two Japanese Zeros attack the motorboat of Senator Samuel Chapman, the crew of the Nimitz rescues the Senator and his assistant Lowell Scott. But later, Lasky learns that the Senator had disappeared on that day, and Captain Yelland is planning to attack the Japanese. Will these actions create a time paradox? The music for the film was composed by John Scott in what was his Hollywood debut. His work attempted to achieve a balance between traditional orchestral sensibilities and futuristic electronic elements, a synthesis that neatly underscores the film's time travel narrative. Scott's music took a serious approach, shown particularly by the powerful and majestic main theme. This theme drives the emotion of the audience to what was to come. Scott also displays his true creativity with his Mr. Tidyman theme. The nervous strings convey the appropriate anticipation and mystery surrounding the Tidyman character, and the horns echo the more stately and official elements of the Navy and Tidyman's relationship to it. This theme gets its full payoff in the film's closing sequences. For some people, the final countdown may feel at times like a publicity film for the USS Nimitz, with a sci-fi plot tagged to it. But with the music of John Scott being told in just the right way, the film, with yes, regular plays on the UK TV schedules, still stands up today as an entertaining film to pass an hour or two. The final countdown also benefited by having Kurt Douglas as its star. He had a screen presence which, in all of his films, appears to just take over the screen. He was, and always will be, one of the great actors in Hollywood history, who appeared in so many films which had great film music to accompany them. The film scores I picked for these two parts are just a mere sample. 
In Yax's own words, quote, People are always talking about the old days. They say that the old movies were better, that the old actors were so great, but I don't think so. All I can say about the old days is that they have passed. Unquote. And with the death of the great Kurt Douglas, the old days in film terms finally did pass into history. So, to end our two-part tribute on the archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network to the music of the films of the late great Kurt Douglas, here is a suite from the 1980 sci-fi adventure film The Final Countdown, the original score composed and conducted by John Scott. The original soundtrack recording is available on the composer's own label, JOS Records. I do hope you have enjoyed both shows of his tribute to Kurt Douglas, and until we meet again on a future edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network, from me, Jason Drury, is take care and happy listening.
Thank you for listening to the archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I would like to thank Tim Burden for providing his voice on the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the program, Derek Cosina for providing the archive's intro music, and Eric Woods for letting me loose on his station. If you have any comments, questions and concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Radio on Twitter and Cinematic Sound on Facebook. If you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the show. It really does help get the show noticed and helps potential new listeners find the show. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net.